Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today from the Old Testament lesson, Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise that I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. He shall execute justice in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Dear friends of Christ, I have some bad news for you this morning. And I also have some good news, some bad news and some good news. So now you know what the sermon's going to be about. Um, Everyone has expectations, and, and we, sometimes we have expectations of our own lives. We have expectations of our children. We have expectations of the people around us. Um, sometimes we have expectations for the season of Advent. What are your expectations for Advent? What are your expectations for Christmas? What do you expect to happen at Christmas and all that, those seasons? You have expectations at work, whether you're at school, uh, whether you're with your friends. You have expectations of family. Couples, when they get married, have expectations. And sometimes we meet those expectations and we're satisfied. Sometimes we fail to meet those expectations and we're deeply disappointed. Well, what about God? You know, what are your expectations about God? Have you ever thought about that before? What do you expect from Him? Now, some people have all kinds of expectations, faulty expectations of the Lord. They think, well, I expect God to make me healthy, wealthy, and wise. I expect God uh, to uh, put a band-aid on all my owies and, and never to let me hurt. Well, if that's what you expect from God, talk to Job. Job was greatly disappointed when God allowed all kinds of sufferings and trials to come upon him because God said, you need your, your faith to be strengthened. And so God set a whole bunch of, set Job on a very difficult path for one reason, that his faith might be strengthened. But people have expectations. God would never do that to me. God's a loving God. He would never let me struggle. They have expectations. Some people have even lower expectations. They've trusted in the Lord before. They prayed to the Lord before, and the Lord did not answer them, and the Lord did not help them. And they say, I have no expectations of God because He wasn't there for me in the past, and He's not going to be there for me in the future. I don't have any expectations of God. Well, that's a pretty low level of faith, I would say, but that's what some people expect. They don't expect much from the God who controls all things. When God meets our expectations, we call that good news. When God fails to meet our expectation, we call that bad news. Good news and bad news. Well, what is Advent about? I think we might get both. A little bit of good news, a little bit of bad. And so our theme, good news and bad. This morning, we're going to go back in the Old Testament from the words of the prophet Jeremiah um, back in the days of the Old Testament, before Jesus came, God's people had expectations. And rightly so, they were the nation of God. Of all the nations on earth, there was only one nation that were the people under God. Well, of course, as Americans, we, we say that we are a people under God. Well, Israel really was. 
They were the only country that was the chosen people of God. They were the chosen to be holy. They were chosen. God selected them. God protected them. God gave His power to save them. And God had given them, He'd made them a holy nation, a people belonging to God. God gave them His covenant. God gave them His promise. God gave them His protection. God gave them His promise, His power, His word. They were special. There was no other nation, and there never has been another nation like Israel. However, Israel did not live up to God's expectations. Israel wandered away from the Lord. They decided they'd had enough of God. They'd waited long enough. They didn't get their promised land. They're going to worship false gods. Uh, one thing was true about Israel. They were like sheep who wandered. They always wandered away from the Lord, and God would punish them, and they'd wander, and they grew faithless. And God would punish them. At times, God punished them severely. Remember the northern kingdom? The nation of Israel, the God's nation, was split into two parts. There was the northern kingdom. They were really the bad people. They never had a good godly king, not one. Then you had the southern kingdom. Most of their kings were evil too. Not even believers. Most of them were wicked and, and evil. The northern kingdom, God destroyed he sent the Assyrians, wiped them out, off the face of the earth, never to be seen again. The southern kingdom, God sent the Babylonians. And God warned them, I'm going to send an enemy to destroy you because you've been faithless and you've been godless. Your sin deserves to be punished. It's bad news. And it's during this time where the punishment is being threatened that Jeremiah is preaching. And so he comes to preach to the people. I've got bad news. Well, I've got some good news, but I've got some bad news. Things are about to get really bad around here. We're going to be, we're going to be defeated. An enemy is going to come and destroy us. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. We're going to be taken away from our land and taken into exile into a foreign land of Babylon for 70 years before we get to come back again. And the people didn't like the message. They didn't like Jeremiah. They didn't like his words. They, the bad news wasn't good for morale. It wasn't good for national morale. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't good for politics. right? It, uh, it was very unpatriotic. Jeremiah was very unpatriotic. So they locked him up. They threw him into a cistern. They wanted him dead. Let's kill the prophet. We don't like the words he's saying. You know, I have bad news for you today. I hope you don't throw me into a cistern. I don't think that sounds like a fun time. The message is not going to boost your morale. The message is not going to boost your ego. But you too, like Israel, are chosen and holy. You're a holy people, a people belonging to God. You are His beloved. He died for you. He loves you. But like the people of old, like, the, like Israel of old, we've become lazy and we've become complacent. Our lives, far from holy. We don't share God's Word as we ought. We're the church put here to let people know about Jesus. And as long as the pastor's doing it, we're okay with that. But the rest of us, eh, 
We're here to talk about Jesus, but we don't pray as we ought. We don't, we don't even worship as we ought in this day of COVID. Now we're starting to get back to church again. That's good to see. But then there's the way believers act. What percentage of our words are cursing or words of anger or words of frustration or words of grumbling or words of complaining, words of dissatisfaction? The Bible says that Christians have been called to be different. We've been called to be different from the rest of the world. We're the people of God. We're the holy nation of God. To be holy in the waters of holy baptism. He has called you. He sets you aside to be holy, to be different, to be His own. And how many people would guess that you're different than them? Than the rest of the world. How many people would guess that you are a holy people? What does the world see? Well, they see sin that runs deep, a disobedience that runs deep. They see a sin that runs through us and a sin that runs among us, a sin that runs amok. And we don't deserve God's praise, we deserve God's punishment. Well, that's the bad news. Back in his day, Jeremiah proclaimed bad news. A coming wrath. But Jeremiah had some good news. He says, behold, the days are coming. Behold. Behold means pay attention. Behold. When you hear that word, pay attention, are you paying attention? <laughs> okay, behold. The days are coming, he says. God says, the days are coming when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. God keeps His promises. He comes. That's good news. You can rely on what He says. Jesus came. That's why we're here. Because we're Christians. Christ has come. He kept His promise. He's coming again. He's going to keep His promise. You can depend on it. Even when there's death and suffering and sickness and pain and all kinds of difficult things happening and there's persecutions in the church and God's people are dying, God says, I still keep my promise to you. Jeremiah preached. He said, a righteous branch of David will sprout. A righteous branch of David will sprout. He shall execute justice and righteousness on the earth. A sprout was promised. A sprout. From King David's lineage, from King David's family, a righteous branch would come and do what's right. A righteous branch would come to save those people who deserve God's wrath. A branch, a righteous branch would come. And in those days, Judah will be saved. The Israelites waited for that promise. The righteous branch will come. Jesus will come. The Messiah will come. They waited for 600 years. And like the children, they waited and 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 they waited. They lived in exile. In the days of Daniel, the days of Esther, far away from their homeland of Israel. 
While they were in exile, they clung to God's promise. They believed that a descendant of King David, the Messiah, would come to save them from their sin. And when they returned from exile, they rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem because it was all just ashes. They rebuilt the temple, they rebuilt the wall. But it wasn't like the old days. They were no longer a nation. They had lost their nation. They were now ruled by other nations. They were now ruled by enemies of God. And centuries came and went. But as the centuries passed and and the years passed, the faithful remnant of Israel never forgot the words of prophet Jeremiah. A righteous branch will come. A Messiah will come. And they looked forward to the coming of the righteous branch. They look forward to the coming of the Son of God. They look forward to the coming of Jesus, the one who has set them free, whose kingdom would have no end. And then finally one day, here He comes, riding on a donkey, entering into Jerusalem. Hosanna to the King! They cried. He's come. God has kept His promise. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and earth. Glory be to the highest. It was true. God had come to save His people. That's the good news. But people had false expectations. God's people always seem to have false expectations. This guy who's come, this Messiah, He's the one who is going to make Israel right here. He's going to restore the kingdom. They had faulty expectations. They expected Jesus to conquer the Romans, to bring heaven to earth. We know why Jesus rode into Jerusalem, don't we? He rode into Jerusalem to suffer and die for our sins. He rode into Jerusalem to save us from sin and death. We know the good news. Jesus came to make an exchange. His perfect life for our lives of sin and disobedience. God's wrath would be placed on Jesus so that God's wrath would pass over us. And the angel of death would pass over us and fall on Jesus. He came to be your substitute from God's wrath. And he fought a great battle against sin, against the devil, against death, against darkness. All those things that threaten to destroy you, that threaten to destroy your soul. And that, my friends, is good news. Now, we want to, I want to spend some time this morning examining verse 16 of Jeremiah's prophecy. This is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Now, did you notice the pronoun it? All the translations are kind of different here. But the, our, our translation, the English uh, Standard Version, uh, says it. This is the name by which it will be called. Well, what name? The Lord is our righteousness. Who is it? Well, in the Hebrew, the word is actually feminine. And so maybe the NESB, uh, the New American Bible uh, Standard Bible, gives us a better rendering in English. Listen to the difference. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell in safety, and this is the name by which she shall be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Judah meant she. So who is she? Is it the Virgin Mary? 
Who does a she refer to? Is a she Jerusalem? No, the she is you. The she is the church. The she is the bride of Christ. She is the Lord, our righteousness. The church takes on the name of her groom. God gives you a name. And your name is the Lord is our righteousness. That, my friends, is good news. Christ's righteousness is yours. Christ's holiness is yours. Christ's victory is yours. Christ's salvation is yours because He has come. And it's not something you do. Salvation is, not, is what Jesus does. It's, salvation is what Jesus has accomplished. Righteousness is not something you can earn. It's not something you can attain. It's not something that you can climb for. Righteousness is a gift. Righteousness is given. It's something that Jesus gives you through His blood, which is why we come to His table to receive His body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. It's a gift given. And that's why we bear His name. The Lord is our righteousness. Because we can't come to this communion altar table to receive our name. The Lord is our righteousness, given and shed for you. I make you holy. You're a holy people. You're a people belonging to God. And I come to you. Did you expect that? Nothing illustrates the gift of God's righteousness perhaps more clearly than baptism when we baptize an infant. And when an infant comes to the waters of baptism, what has that infant done to deserve God's coming? Has that infant paid anything? Nothing. Has that infant confessed anything? Nothing. Has that infant believed anything? Nothing. That infant brings nothing to the waters of baptism except for the fact that an infant was born in sin and darkness and death and is separated from God. And we bring that infant who was born dead, blind, an enemy of God, we bring it to the waters of baptism and in holy baptism, an exchange is made, the water is placed on the child's head, and the child is given the gift of God's righteousness. And it's all God's doing. That infant provided nothing, neither do you. You may be an adult and be able to do more than an infant can, but not before God. Your God has done all the work. And that's the way it is for you. That kind of mercy and that kind of graciousness, that generosity is not what most people expect from the Lord. They expect His anger. They expect God to be angry. When it comes to salvation, though, we think, okay, God's angry, I have to do all the work. God's angry, I have to do my, work out my own salvation. God's angry, I have to provide my own righteousness. I have to stand before Him on my own self-worth. Well, you're wrong. That's not the way it is. You're dead wrong. Jesus did all the work. Jesus won a salvation for us. And that's why we bear His name as a church. The Lord is our righteousness. That's our name. The Lord is our righteousness. The bad news, we're sinners. The bad news, we deserve His, His, His punishment. The bad news, we deserve eternal damnation. The bad news is our, our good works, our righteousness is insufficient. That's the bad news. However, the good news, 
Christ's righteousness is not insufficient. His holiness has made you holy. His life has given you life. He bore the wrath that you will never have to face. We are His people, His holy church, His holy bride, and our name matters. And we bear our name proudly. And what's your name? The Lord is our righteousness. And in this Advent season, the Lord comes to you. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting, but He comes to you with His promise. He comes to you with His assurances. He comes to you with His forgiveness. He comes to you with His healing. And He comes to you with salvation. He comes to you. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.